king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. That's my king. That's your king. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's, get, let's, have a, let's have a hallelujah for the Lord. Amen? Lord, thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm trying to set the stage for the words we're about to hear. As we previewed last week, uh, when we study the Sermon on the Mount, we need to begin with who's speaking to us. Who is it that uh, we should lend an ear to and what is he trying to say? But it begins with grasping who
who he is and the magnificence of Jesus and the glory of Jesus. And as he came on the scene in Galilee, we read last week, he went to the synagogues all through Galilee and he preached the kingdom of God. He said, the time has come, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And as he preached the kingdom, he healed people that were uh, tormented by demons, lepers. Uh, He raised people who were uh, infirm and paralyzed. He healed everything from flus uh, all the way to uh, paralysis. And he spoke the kingdom. And when you speak the kingdom, and this is an encouragement to us too, when we speak the kingdom, the same things come with it. And we need to see it and appreciate it. So to understand what it would have been like uh, for him to come on the scene, what it would have been like then, it it would be like Martin Luther King Jr. in 1963 walking down the mall and raising people out of the graves and uh, raising people off their wheelchairs as he went to the podium. It would be like Nelson Mandela walking through and healing the lepers and uh, all those that walked in his path. It would be, if you're from the Far East or you've been in the Far East, it would be like Lee Kuan Yew, the beloved leader of Singapore, walking down the street and people who couldn't hear and couldn't see receiving their hearing and their sight. Can you imagine how that would, how that would rock uh, the media now? Well, this is, this is what happened as we come in to hearing this sermon today. And so we think about Jesus, we think about him coming, and he spoke a very simple and profound message. I've paraphrased it like this. The time has finally arrived. When all the prophets talked about, well, that time is now. And the kingdom of God is now accessible through me. That's what he was saying. He's saying, think differently. Repenting means to do a 180 in our mind, will, and emotion, to think differently, to come and follow him. And then he says, review your game plan for living and change and base everything on me. Whatever your game plan is this year, going back to school, going to university, uh, starting a new job. Jesus today is speaking to each and every one of us. Review your game plan for living and base everything on me. And to the extent that uh, Jesus is a philosopher, he's dealing with the questions of life. What is the truly uh, blessed life? And he's going to lay that out for us in chapter 5. And then he's going to address who is truly the blessed person, the, 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 highest, the highest form of, of blessed personhood. And he's going to talk about that at the end of chapter 5 and 6 and 7. So he's going to answer those questions. And he comes with hope. He comes with authority. He comes with clarity. And he, he brings light. Everywhere he goes, the lights are popping. The light bulbs are popping. In uh, the 19th century, a uh, really heavy-duty scholar by the name of Alfred Edersheim, uh, in studying uh, this particular passage, came to faith in Jesus Christ. And he said this, 
the Sermon on the Mount is neither righteousness nor yet a new law, but that which is innermost and uppermost in the mind of Christ, the kingdom of God. This entire series, this entire message will be about grasping the kingdom of God and what that means. And he says, Christ came to found a kingdom, not a school, to institute a fellowship, not to propound a system. And then he says, they saw him and therefore believed. And my hope is that in this time of kingdom proclamation, in this time of the heavens crashing in, God will release something unique and blessed over us as we walk with him and believe him. And uh, he wants us to come along and listen to him. And in that, he wants us to be thinking about what does this mean for my life? And I want to encourage you towards the end of the sermon, I'm going to give you an opportunity to throw out I will statements. These are statements which when you hear Jesus, when you experience Jesus, you decide, you say, wow, I will look at the meek totally differently today. I will watch out for people around me who may be mourning today. There, there's going to be application. This is the, the fundamental purpose Jesus has to come from heaven, to be here, to speak to us the first time and now through the scriptures to change our lives, to change our way of thinking, to change everything. So Jesus walks up, he sits down, and he begins to teach. And this is what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. These are the very words of God. So Father, we ask today that you would open our hearts to the Beatitudes in a, in a fresh way, that you would speak to each one here today and those listening to this message. Father, that you would be honored and we would somehow grasp Jesus in a fresh light and walk with him in the manner with which his words are intended for us to walk. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is the challenge of the Beatitudes. They're familiar. We all have heard them lots of times. Some uh, believe that these are a new law. This is the new Mount Sinai. This is the Messiah. This is his, his instruction to people. Others will say these are the characteristics of good Christians. They will say, this is, what, this is what a good Christian is. Some will go even farther and they will say, this is how you get into the kingdom of God. You be like this. And uh, some would uh, simply uh, say that this is the way you engineer for God to bless you. And some of these interpretations and approaches uh, have merit. They do. But what rocked my world as I looked at this, and I, I told you that Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard is influencing this series, is that 
we, if, if that's the case, if these are things that we have to do or be to, to be Christians, then Jesus came announcing the kingdom and then there were conditions. There were conditions uh, and, and then in those conditions we could be proud that we sort of live up to those or we could feel terribly guilty that we don't live up to those. And what I believe Jesus is doing is actually something much more profound here. Imagine the picture. You're, you're on the mount or the hill where the Beatitudes were given here at the north end of the lake, the Sea of Galilee. Only 500 feet above ground. That's why we're calling this series Sermon on the Hill, not Sermon on the Mountain, because it really is a hill. But imagine thousands of people gathering to hear Jesus talk. In a similar location, he fed 5,000. And if you count, uh, that's the men. If you count women and children, maybe 20,000 were there. So we don't know how many people are here for this particular talk. But let's say thousands. And what's interesting, he's been walking through the villages of this area. uh, Several of which are within a, a quarter of a day to a half a day's walk from here. And gathered around him are his disciples, the ones, the fishermen and the ones he recruited, but also the others. And I believe what we need to see there is the people that he's healed. The people that he's healed have started following him. There are times when people get healed. It's happened a lot in in my ministry experience. And they don't, it doesn't draw them to Jesus. They take their healing and they go. Jesus healed 10 lepers and only one came back to thank him. And so this miraculous healing and and deliverance and the proclamation of the kingdom is going on. And imagine these people standing up and imagine him doing a bit of a show and tell. Blessed is the one who mourns. Because I just healed him. And now he's enjoying God's touch. Or blessed the meek ones. And she is standing there, perhaps doubled over in pain for 20 years, whatever it might have been. And she is enjoying the touch of God with her hands up, praising God. And so I, I think we need to see it as a bit of a show and tell of this relentless God who's come all the way from heaven to become a person, to walk the earth, and to bring and and pronounce the kingdom on people. And they're there as exhibit A, enjoying his grace. And actually this entire sermon begins, these beatitudes begin the sermon on the hill with an absolute dump truck full of grace that has been dropped on these people throughout the parts of, of of the area of Galilee. And so I want you to imagine uh, this, this, this crowd listening. They said, it says that they were hanging on every word he said. And literally he would be pointing potentially to different people as he did the Beatitudes. So let's start with the first one. And we ask, well, who are the poor in spirit? 
And you can help me with this now. You can shout out who you think the poor in spirit are. Who are the poor in spirit? Non-believers. Negative people. Depressed people. Oppressed people. So they're, they're literally... Okay, now, okay, I want I those who recognize their need for God, but, but let's look at the text. Does it say that these people who are poor in spirit recognize that they're poor in spirit? No, right? It just says, blessed are the poor in spirit. We could translate it, blessed are the spiritually bankrupt. We could say, blessed are the people who have had zero spiritual instruction ever in their life. Blessed are the people who never stood in a church. Blessed are the people who never went to the synagogue. Blessed are the people who are spiritual zeros. I know, I, I, I looked at that. Oh, they know their need for God over and over. But I, I, as I looked at it and studied it, it doesn't say that they recognize this. They're clueless. So we can translate that, blessed are the spiritual zeros. Nothing going for them spiritually. Not even a hope or a prayer. Dead in the water. Useless. But, he touched me. He healed me. He raised me out of my wheelchair. Oh my gosh, I have a touch of the kingdom of heaven. The scriptures say to us, we have been saved by grace through faith. What comes first, faith or grace? Grace. So Jesus is saying, look, this is this world of the kingdom, this amazing, powerful, beautiful thing that I'm proclaiming to you is available to you even if you are a spiritual nobody. Even if you are the most pagan of pagans. God comes and he pulls us out of the pit. He opens our eyes and he gives us a glimpse. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Maybe, maybe after all, I can know Christ. Maybe after all, I don't have to be a religious Performer, I don't have to be a hypocrite. You see, at that time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had taken the Bible as it was available then, the Old Testament in our Bibles, and they had twisted it into a system where they excelled and everybody else was a nobody. Jesus comes, turns the entire thing upside down, and says, uh, I'm going to invite everybody to the kingdom. I'm even going to invite that fat, selfish, adulterous, proud, corporate, pagan, Dennis Beausejour. I'm going to invite him to the kingdom. Pulled me out of the pit. Pulled me out of the pit. I had nothing going for me. Zippo, nada. All right, let's keep going. Who are the mourners? Who's mourning? Okay, they've lost loved ones. 
People who experienced loss, their spouse ran away and deserted them. Their child died in childbirth. Their mom died in childbirth. They've, they've lost because of this, this fallen world. But it's more, there, there's those that, that uh, lose a job. They lose all their income. And all of a sudden, they lose their house. And they lose their reputation. And, and it's loss after loss. And they are the mourners. But even there, Jesus comes in with the kingdom and says, but God. Those that are rejected, the awkward, those that can't get a friend at the lunch table. How about the African Americans in our city who drive around in their cars and get stopped all the time? Do you think they're mourning? How about if someone they love gets shot? You think they're mourning? See, this is, this is a fallen world. And Jesus isn't saying, look, mourning by itself is good. Jesus is saying, yeah, you follow me, you will experience mourning, but you will also experience joy and salvation and goodness. So mourning is not a characteristic to be commended on its own merits. Mourning is a reality of a fallen world. And Jesus is coming in into that, even that racial divide. We're having a conference in a couple of weeks at CCU. I encourage you to go. You will learn things about the spiritual roots of racism. You will be able to mourn with the mourners. That's not all we do in the kingdom, but that's certainly a place where somebody can receive God's touch and their grace. And so he is, he is touching the mourners. Let's keep going. Who are the meek? Now this is a little more challenging because Jesus is meek in some places. is described as meek. So this is not so easy to interpret because it, it can be a desirable spiritual attribute for sure. But what is he getting at? Who are the meek? People you look right past. People who are taken advantage of. Dallas Willard tells a great story that in the Depression, his parents owned a clothing and general household goods store. And when, people, when the market went south and people started experiencing poverty, they, loving Jesus and all of that, they sold things to people knowing that they wouldn't be able to pay them. And they knew that eventually this would be their end. But they decided to overlook that because of the situation. So we could say meek might be someone who lets the, lets the, the unfortunate circumstance occur for other reasons. Meek could be somebody who's just plain gentle. Meek could be someone who's shy. Meek could be somebody who is intimidated. Uh, the, the martyrs that, that we saw in that, that famous photograph from Egypt 
with the 21 Egyptian believers on their knees on the, on the side of the Mediterranean being killed by the terrorists. Uh, you know, they could have very well knowing that they were going to die. They could have very well got up and attacked their attackers. But for whatever reason, only the Holy Spirit knows they were meek in that moment of death. But they're not meek forever. That's not, that's not the end goal. It is a place where we submit even though we have some power. We voluntarily submit. It is meekness is power under control. But it's also the meek one is the one who turns the cheek and is slapped on the other side. The meek one is the one who carries uh, the soldier's pack for another mile, past the mile that he's been asked. So that is a desirable attribute. But again, Jesus is not meek all the time. It's not a permanent condition. He will be the conquering king one day. There's more to him than his meekness. So again, I believe he is talking about a condition that may be required and is painful, but is not necessarily the only attribute. And so he's saying those, uh, they, they will inherit the earth. In other words, the time is coming for judgment. I don't want them to be like this forever, but the time is coming where God's judgment will come. Well, let's keep going. Who are the hungry and the thirsty for righteousness? Some of your translations might say, who are the hungry and the thirsty for justice? Who might be hungry and thirsty for justice? Who are these people? Any, any ideas? Help me out here. People who are oppressed. Do we think the victims of priest abuse in Pennsylvania would like to see uh, justice and righteousness done? Yes, yes right? Th- that would be true. Any other examples? Who else would be hungering and thirsting for justice? The black community. The black community. How about the parent whose child is murdered? I had a friend from Procter & Gamble and his son was shot a number of years ago and killed uh, by uh, an ex-girlfriend. And her, her case went to trial and it resulted in a mistrial. And then it went to trial again after lots of prayer and effort and uh, the guilty verdict was given last week. And uh, they, they, are, they are a family that has been looking uh, to closure on this horrible loss in their life. How about this? How about the addict who is crying out to be set free from their addiction? I thought about that and I, I have been in that situation and I can see how that would be a deep hunger and thirst to to have a normal life. So again, we have these qualities that Jesus is pointing out. These are real life problems. These are not conditions to get into the kingdom. These are not examples uh, 
or requirements from God. These are examples of how Jesus touched people and brought the kingdom into their lives, surprisingly, when they had no hope. Now, it's true that you could have uh, a good a good Christian would want to be uh, in the right situation meek. We'd want to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Next week, we'll look at purity of heart. But that's not what Jesus is demanding at this point. What he's simply saying is, I am making the kingdom available to everyone. And we can see this because in the Sermon on the Plain, a different sermon captured by Luke in his sixth chapter, Jesus blesses those who are poor, hungry, weeping, and hated. And he pronounces woes on the rich, the well-fed, the laughing, and the popular. Now we know that this again is not 100% kingdom for anybody who's poor, hungry, weeping, or hated because there are many poor, hungry, weeping people who are hated who want nothing to do with God. They don't want anything to do with the kingdom. There are those who are rich, well-fed, laughing, and popular who do end up who do end up in the kingdom, starting maybe with Zacchaeus and uh, Dennis Beausager and some others. Why is that? Well, Jesus isn't saying these as... He's saying that the kingdom is available to anyone, especially the people you don't think would have any shot at it. And he's saying this is the grace of the king. In Psalm 37, where he gets the beatitude on meekness in verse 11, he talks a little bit more, uh, the psalmist talks about the perspective. Be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Don't fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who place their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. So there will be eventually justice and things settled on the earth. But in the meantime, don't don't look around at what other people are doing. And in the meantime, the meekness of those who have been run over, they will inherit the land eventually. They will enjoy peace and prosperity. So we know that this is not a a kingdom entry requirement. It is a pronunciation of grace on all these different people. So the teaching of Jesus here is meant to surprise us. It's meant to be really concrete. Like when he says, this is my body, this is my blood. He's very concrete. Well, he's now just doing this exhibit A of the kingdom has now dawned and all these people that I have touched are being welcomed into the kingdom. Now we all know, if we read further, he explains that we need to repent. He he explains that we need to uh, come in repentance to receive his grace. So I'm not saying repentance is irrelevant. I'm simply, I think what Jesus is trying to do is get us in to, to begin with grace. Begin with grace. Remember that none of us had a hope or a prayer of knowing God until Jesus broke in somehow into our life. Sent somebody, 
uh, we experience something. So the teaching of Jesus is that this is the kingdom. This is huge, folks. This is a huge transforming moment in human history where he pronounces it. So Dallas Willard says this, the Beatitudes serve to clarify Jesus' fundamental message, the free availability of God's rule and righteousness to all of humanity through reliance on Jesus himself, the person now loose in the world among us. The kingdom of the heavens is crashing in. People's eyes are being opened. People are being healed. The people who are hopeless are being given hope. The wounded are being healed. And things are completely being transformed. And that is the power and the beauty of the kingdom of God. He says, The Beatitudes prove to all that no human condition excludes blessedness, that God may come to any person with his care and deliverance, exhibiting them as enjoying God's touch from the heavens. Anyone could come as well as any other. They still can. That is the gospel of the Beatitudes. Isn't that beautiful? That's what he's doing. He's throwing open the doors to the party. So in 1966, Simon and Garfunkel understood this text probably a lot better than a lot of people writing commentaries at that time. But here's what they said in their song, Blessed. Blessed are the sat upon, the spat upon, and the ratted on. In the next verse of the song, it's blessed are the meth drinkers, the pot sellers, and the illusion dwellers. And then in the third stanza, it says, Blessed are the penny rookers, the cheap hookers, and the groovy lookers. And I think they got the essence of it. They got the essence of it. And so try this week to write your own Beatitudes to see if you grasp this. I tried it this week, and I... Blessed are the ones with ADHD. I mean, even they can come into the kingdom. Blessed are the bald, the overweight, and the short. Blessed are the old or the unfashionable. Blessed are the burned out and the crusty. Blessed are those with body odor. They're all invited to the party of Jesus. See how this changes your perspective? You see that friend at work. You see that uh, classmate at school. And you say to yourself, there's no hope. There's no hope. And that's, that's the, exactly the point. The people without hope are being invited into the kingdom. And if we're honest, that's how we got in. That's how we got in. And if you, if you haven't meditated on that lately, remind yourself of how it was this week and go back. Because... Dallas uh, Willard further encourages us that if we grasp this, that we can speak this kingdom over others. He says, you are really walking in the good news of the kingdom if you can go with confidence to any of the hopeless people around you and effortlessly convey assurance that they can now enter a blessed life with God. It's open to all of them, no matter what. Even the most hardcore atheists, all those, there's hope. There's hope. 
So I want to conclude this morning just by, if, 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 if our goal ultimately is to embody the kingdom and embody the hope, we, we obviously need to speak it over other people. We need to bring the good news. But we also first have to really receive it and stock up on it and experience it. So let's open our eyes. Let's open our heart. Let's repent of performance-based religion. Let's speak about the brokenness that we experienced when Jesus touched us. Let's start with that. That we are the, are the first to say, wow, I was broken and lost. To remember that moment, to receive that grace of Jesus again. We're going to close the service this morning with two worship songs. One is going to give us a chance to think through uh, and reflect. But also, uh, we're going we're gonna to conclude in a, in a celebration of God's grace because that is the topic of the Beatitudes. It is that the grace of God is available to all. And as you think about this text, you know, some I will statements may be coming to you. I, I know that this week I wrote down... I will look for the people who are spiritually bankrupt. I will be alert for the mourners that I come across their path. I will come alongside those seeking justice. I will seek God for a way to speak about the kingdom all the time. How about you? Anybody have any I will statements they want to share? as they wrap their mind around this text. How will this week be different for you? I will be inclusive. I will be inclusive. Anybody else? I will start seeing that the kingdom of God is available to my co-workers. Beautiful. You see what, uh, what is happening here is that this profound message, and this is what these things are for, is to circle these words and pray, prayerfully get into them before you come next week. Take the next page. We're going to be in the second half of the Beatitudes. But think about what might Jesus be speaking to me in this text? What might he be looking for me uh, to know or be or do differently? And he's trying to raise us into the vision of his kingdom. This is what he's doing with these words. And so who, who will speak of his grace this week? Who will go to the broken? Who will leave a life of comparison? These are things that Jesus wants to draw us out. So the worship team's going to come up. And I'm just going to pray for us. We're going to have a couple of prayer teams who will be here. We have been talking about the kingdom of God this morning. And Jesus is going to be moving amongst us. We have asked for that. We're we're in his presence now. So I want to encourage you, if you need a physical healing... 
If you need uh, a word spoken over you of encouragement, go to the prayer teams. Go to the prayer teams because the kingdom of God is at hand, brothers and sisters. The kingdom of God is here. And some of you are, are mourning today. And I want you to go up and receive prayer. Some of you are feeling trampled on today. Some of you are feeling excited. Wait a minute. I thought I had no chance of being in the kingdom of God. But no matter what I've done and no matter what my history is, the door to the kingdom is open today by Jesus and he's proclaiming the kingdom. So if today's your day to walk through the door of the kingdom and to receive his grace by faith, by believing that this is in fact for you, then come up to the prayer teams and we'll pray salvation over you and we'll pray for deliverance over you because this is the kingdom. So Father, uh, Father, I I just thank you for uh, sending your son here. Jesus, I thank you for speaking the glory of the kingdom to a hopeless people. I thank you for speaking it to me when I was hopeless. 22 years ago. I thank you for speaking it again today that it is, it is still the same kingdom. It's still the same Jesus. It's still the same open door to the glorious party. So Lord, help us be instruments of your grace. Help us, though first, Lord, in these closing times, uh, closing time in our service today, help us to receive Receive your grace. Remind us, strengthen us, and encourage us. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.